Welcome to the Deerfield Family Theater Podcast. In our first episode, I have the privilege and honor to speak with George Keating and Scott Ferguson, two of the people responsible for Schoolhouse Rock being adapted to the stage as Schoolhouse Rock Live. George and Scott don't only share the origin story of the adaptation, but they also share how the pandemic has affected them and others they know in the theater world. In case you're tuning in and didn't already know, DFT is putting on a performance of Schoolhouse Rock Live this November of 2021. See the show notes for a link to purchase tickets and visit DeerfieldFamilyTheater.com. It was a great conversation, and without further delay, here's the interview. George, Scott, thank you so much for coming on the Deerfield Family Theater podcast. Happy to have you here. So excited. It's Thanks for having us. Here. Yeah. Hi. So, uh, so I know that um, our production this year, Schoolhouse Rock Live, wouldn't be happening without the both of you. And so I would just like you to give a little bit of a background of yourselves for our audience. George, starting with you, go ahead. Sure. Yeah. My name is George Keating. I am uh, an actor, a director, a longtime member of Actors' Equity Association. I'm also a teaching artist. I've taught my whole career. Most of my career has been in, here in Chicago. I am the director of the uh, theater arts division at Northwestern University, the National High School Institute, known as the Cherubs Program. I also am an adjunct professor at the theater school. Thank goodness for all of those positions because theater has been empty and I have not been on any stages in a year and a half now. Um, but Scott and I, but my, my work with Schoolhouse Rock Live in the early 90s has influenced my entire career. Um, and Scott and I have had a, an intertwined career um, as a result of it. We were, we were great friends before we did the project and we've just grown closer over the years. So it's a pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so uh, I'm sort of a similar situation except rather than being an actor, I'm a director. I started as a theater uh, actor when I was a kid, but then went to Northwestern. Uh, after graduation, I became uh, artistic director of Chicago Children's Theater, which then led into my work in children's theater and my interest in that, which is partially where the idea for Schoolhouse Rock Live came about because we wanted to do a great show for kids that was also fun for adults. And that's really where that came from. And since then I'm a, a director as well, freelance director, I direct all over the country. I've done a lot of shows in Memphis. Same thing, COVID caused me to not do a theater for a very long time. Uh, but in my other life, I, uh, I'm also a teacher with George at the National High School Institute, chair of program at Northwestern. And I am a real estate broker. So I sell houses for a living as well. <laughs> Where do you well, sell Scott. houses, Scott? I sell houses in Chicago and through, in Oak Park, which is what, not far from Deerfield. Through what, com through <laughs> what company? Uh, that would be Dreamtown Realty. <laughs> that is the name of my brokerage. <laughs> if you need to look me up, scottfergusonhomes.com. scottfergusonhomes.com. You heard it yeah. here, folks. And make sure to check the show notes for that link. Uh, and, and, you know, Scott, we got to get in touch uh, after the show because I am an attorney and I do some real estate law Fantastic. and I actually have a closing next week. So let's do we'll it. To, let's work together. I'd love yeah, that. We'll have to. We'll have to. There you go, uh, listeners. Uh, theater bringing people together for the arts and for business. How about it? There you go. Love it. Um, so, got you know, there's so much we could talk about. And and I do really want to get into 
the, the history of Schoolhouse Rock Live and especially some of like the, the rights and the legal aspects of it. Um, I'm a little biased because I'm a lawyer. So I want to like know about like what that was like. Um, but uh, it, it's hard to, to have um, some people like you on this podcast that are really into theater and, and are doing it and are directors and teaching and, and, and all that and, and really get your perspective on, um, on the pandemic and on, uh, on theater and what it's done and, you know, how, how we're going to get out of this. And obviously one of the ways is going to, uh, the Deerfield theater, Deerfield family theater show, uh, schoolhouse rock live this November. Um, but other than just getting out there and supporting the arts, you know, like, like, what was it like and in the midst of it and, and what were some of the stories that you heard and, and share, share that with our listeners, because I, you know, we're, we're all people who support the arts and, and, um, and I think it'd be, I think it'd be great to hear, you know, hear that perspective. So, uh, since we went with George first, um, for the intros, Scott, you know, like what, what was it like when that pandemic happened and shut everything down? Yeah, it's, um, it was nuts. I was actually, um, slated to direct a show in Memphis. I was going to do something rotten, which is a great, hilarious musical. And I was going to do that down in Memphis, um, Last, I guess now it's been two years, not our last year. So I was all excited to go direct a show and then suddenly, boom, everything's done. It happened to a lot of people. I have so many friends. I have friends that were opening their first show on Broadway and literally closed before they even opened. So it was heart-wrenching and heartbreaking. And a lot of people didn't realize um, how it affected the livelihoods of so many people. Like George was saying, he's lucky that he had gigs, like teaching gigs that he could even teach virtually and that kind of stuff. And I had real estate, but so many people I know, you know, that are in the arts had nothing. Their jobs were just gone. And a lot of them were waiters. Those jobs were gone as well. So it was really tough for people in the arts. It was, I think they were hit specifically hard in the entertainment industry. Yeah, I was literally, uh, literally sent home from the theater on March 12th of 2020. Um, I had been out at the Paramount Theater in Aurora for two shows back to back and we had opened, opened a brand new musical um that had been running for about three weeks and we were there all day in rehearsal we were you know if you uh, in uh equity theater you rehearse the we, you rehearse the show usually during the actual run of the show i don't know if people realize that but um we were in an all-day rehearsal and i was getting these texts from people in new york saying that they weren't doing the show that night and we were all looking around thinking what is going on and then we got called to the stage at, at half hour uh, and we all knew why I think and they said we're going to do the show one more time and pack your stuff and go home and we and then we don't know <laughs> what's going to happen after that so um, that was quite a that was a very surreal evening um, and um, it, it, there was no way to be able to respond to it because you had no idea what was what was going to happen next. Um, I am grateful for my, for my teaching jobs, but that man, let me tell you something. Teaching virtually is one of the hardest things I have ever done. Um, it is, uh, that's very challenging. Um, I think a lot about, uh, I teach college age and high school. Um, but, um, I think a lot about the children, actually the young children throughout this pandemic. And I'm so glad you're doing schoolhouse rock live. I mean, Scott mentioned, that, um, you know, his love of children's theater, and that's what 
caused him, you know, gave him, you know, credit where credit's due. It was Scott's idea. I mean, it was Scott's idea to take these from cartoons and make it into a stage show. Um, when we first met, Scott said to me, we started bonding over singing Schoolhouse Rock Live, uh, over Schoolhouse Rock songs. And then Scott immediately said, I want to make that a show. Um, and it wasn't, but a couple years later, um, we met as a result of our, Scott went to Northwestern, I went to the theater school at DePaul, and we each had mentors, uh, Nan Zabriskie and Reeves Collins, who had a children's theater company in um, Winnetka, North Shore Country Day School, yeah. Wilmette, yeah. Wilmette, Winnetka, all the W's. I can't keep the W straight, but um, it, at the North Shore Country Day School, and they roped us both in to um, immediately after graduating. So that's how we met. So this lifelong love of children's theater and the importance of children's theater, the importance of bringing people to, you know, people together in a room to have the same experience in real time has always been so important to us. Uh, and without that, I do I am worried and I, I teach now and, and I see that the pandemic has affected the um, development of children and theater and being having access to theater and live performances is a huge part of that development, I think, in terms of social um, skills, as well as um, just expression and creativity. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't yeah. agree more. Yeah. And I had, a, I had my first kid during the pandemic. She's nine months old now. Um, congratulations thanks. that's awesome I, I, yeah i know and and you know like she's nine months old right like uh like nine ten months old the pandemic shut down right she's like the age of the pan like for, from like you know when she was uh conceived to being born that's like the length of the pandemic right she's like it, that's like 18 months so no. uh, a, truly a measure of the pandemic and um and it's you know she, we were in a one, little one bedroom apartment in Chicago before I moved to Deerfield, you know, both working from home, you know, through the pregnancy with a little crying baby all day. Um, oh and, they, and they're not getting out there in the world, you know, let alone to be able to, you know, do theater, which was something that was, and even just go see it and experience it, which when I, I grew up, my father was a theater major, he's in sales, uh, but um, he was a theater major. So he, you know, he, my, he made sure my brother and I could really appreciate the arts and that we'd, we'd go see shows all the time. And, you know, to think that there was now two years of, you know, kids not being able to, to do that and get that experience. That's, you know, that that's super sad. So we're going to have to get people back out there and everyone has to go see twice as many shows, three times as many shows as they they uh, they saw before, which means more work for the actors and directors. Right. Oh, Matthew, I really hope so. Uh, our union, I'm in governance. <laughs> I'm in governance in my union. And, and uh, we we've been our president, Kate Schindel, has been saying to us, there's going to be a resurgence, I promise. And it's, we're going to be busier than ever. So I really hope that that is indeed true. Yeah. Theater and, will and never go away. People need it. People need it. Society needs yeah. it. It's always been around. It will always be here. It doesn't. Netflix is great. Uh, TV movie and TVs. Uh, it's all great. It does not replace live theater. You know, I saw Hamilton live and I saw it on Disney Plus and And it just doesn't even compare. <laughs> the live, the live takes nope. it, takes the cake by wide margin. Not at all. Yeah. It's more uh, dangerous. Theater, live theater is more dangerous in a fun way, right? In a thrill-seeking way. Because honestly, yes, you rehearse it, but anything can happen. When you're recording it, you can just record over it. And that is not yeah. the case with theater. J just like this podcast, which for the listeners is definitely uncut and unedited. 
Well, we'll I'm see. Right. <laughs> Dangerous. What if what if I slip in an adult word? You'll have to edit that. Uh, Remember, we're Deerfield Family Theater, not Theater D. The Theater D podcast will be a separate podcast. Maybe we'll we'll, we'll yeah. see the the adults only uh, Deerfield Theater program. So, uh, uh, but you so George, you know, you teased it, and of course, you know, Scott, you brought it up too earlier. But Schoolhouse Rock Live, um, you know, you, you kind of gave us a taste of of how that came together. Uh, but uh, but how? Uh, I do want to know, like, how old were you guys at the time when when this was starting to to become a thing? Yeah, we were um, in our early twenties. I mean, we early twenties. We had just graduated from school. Um, we each graduated in ninety, respectively, from two different universities, like I mentioned. And and um, Yeah, probably. I was probably twenty two. Yeah. And um, oh well, I guess we started talking about it in 90, but we didn't open until 93. So Three. I guess yeah. we were a little bit older, right? Um, but the the sort of creation of it, I guess, happened in 91, 92. Uh, and and to be fair, to go to the um, to the to, to go back to the adult comment, we created it simultaneously t- for grownups as a late night show mm-hmm. in a basement theater. And simultaneously, we're doing a cut version that we were taking to schools in the mornings. So we were performing until midnight in a basement theater in Chicago. And then uh, during the week, getting up at 6 a.m. to run out to Orland Park or wherever to do to do various shows of it. So, But it took, you know, it started out as an idea, like we had talked about, but then, so I really wanted to do it. And so I started, you, you being an attorney, Matthew, you, you understand how this works. At the time in 1990, 91, when I started trying to pursue this, um, the show had been off the air, you know, off to television for, since like 80, about 86 or 85 or something like that, 84. So it had not been on the air for quite a while. And so I would send letters, you know, this was back before email, there was no email. So I would write a letter to the attorneys at ABC who would say, we don't know who owns the rights. And then they'd, then finally I'd send it again and they send another letter and they'd say, well, try this person. And then I tried that person. They could say, I don't know. I, we don't think they own the rights. Try this person. I just kept trying. I, literally for two years, uh, I was writing and writing letters, trying to find out how can we get permission to do this when literally one morning, eight o'clock in the morning, I got a phone call and I answered and it was George Newell, who is the creator of this series, the TV series. I'm like, is this Scott Ferguson? I was like, yeah. he goes, this is George Newell. I, of course, knew he, who he was. I was like, well, <laughs> he said, so you want to do a live version of the show? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, okay. I mean, that was, I mean, that was literally it. I was like, wait, what? He goes, that's fine. You can do that if you want. What do you need from me? I was like, um, well, uh, uh, I need a letter that says that we can do it. And I need the music. He's like, okay, let me put you in touch with Bob DeRoe, who's like, you know, God rest his soul, just passed away recently. But Bob was the music director, wrote tons of songs, sang on many of the songs and was the music director for the entire series. And he, I talked to him and he said, all right, what songs do you need? And I gave him a list and he FedExed me original copies of the score. For, the, for each song. Well, was there wasn't a score, remember? They were lead sheets. Yeah. They were jazz musicians. So yeah. uh, jazz folks notate music much differently. They were these lead sheets that were not musical theater 
scores at all. That's they true. were yeah. basically charts is what they were with chord symbols and some lyrics that were all handwritten. Um, so that was its own, that was its own journey. Um, Scott and I were living together at the time when he got that call. And it was very, um, it's so funny to think back to that initial, to that initial outreach and how generous they were. And then yeah. how great they just became like, I would say great, I don't want to say great friends, but they became great mentors to us. Um, when Bob great died, friends. they were friends, they were friends I mean, and they would come to Chicago and they would take us out and they came for our reunions. They came for our, um, uh, our, um, for all the different openings. Cause we kept moving around and they were so support. They were just so supportive. George Newell, Tom Yoey, Bob Duro, especially, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's fantastic. Where, where are those original copies now? Do you still have them somewhere? I, I do. I have quite a few of them, actually, yeah. And I have some animation cells, too, from the original cartoons, which are pretty cool. That is super cool. We're going to have to, yeah. like, I don't know, open a museum <laughs> or something and <laughs> laminate that stuff and put it somewhere. I hope you've at least scanned yeah. it or taken pictures of those because that, that's I have incredible. these, too. Can you see these back here on the Zoom? For our something. Audience, Scott yeah. is showing um, the uh, original cells that have been Ooh. cells from the cartoons that have been framed. Um, so these are all four of the different series, math, science, history, and grammar. That that's is something. Cool. Well, I'll tell you what, we may just have to take that clip and post it somewhere because that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. awesome. uh, podcast first, but we, we, I mean, you know, we'll have some video, I guess, uh, to use okay. maybe just there. That's super interesting. Um, uh, if we if we add this part, uh, link in the in the show notes <laughs> to the to the video clip on social media or something. Um, so uh, okay, um, that yeah that that's really something. Um, what 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 incredible kindness you know from a stranger. Um, I it really was that kind of kind. You, you know, you never know. It's oh, you always got to the know. the moral of the story is. You know, re- reach out to your heroes and see if uh, see if they're nice. Maybe maybe the yeah. maybe you can meet your heroes and it's okay. Well, we yeah. we had um, Matthew. I mentioned to you on the phone before we uh, did this podcast, um, Scott. I cannot remember our lawyer's name, lawyer for the creative arts. I think it was Ed something, but he did so much pro bono work for us in the beginning because we were 20 something. We were starting a theater company and we had this great, we got connected. Um, Nina Lynn, who we have to mention, who we are still friends with and still work with was our producer um, and uh, of Schoolhouse Rock Live and still is. And um, she really did so much work. I want to say his name was Ed. I should have, I should have asked Nina. I actually I to, saw her the other day. I remember either. Yeah. But we, talk about graciousness. I mean, man, that guy did so much for us that we would not have been able to afford. And, and we were, you know, to, you know, uh, Tom and George and, and Bob, the creators were very generous with us, but also remember, you know, they weren't necessarily showbiz people to, to speak, you know, Bob or uh, Tom and George were ad execs. Um, and um, uh, Bob obviously was a jazz musician, but jazz is a whole different kind of world. Um, so I think there's, there's something to be said about that too. They were just excited we were doing it. Um, yeah. and, but yet we were up against these big kind of monolith like ABC. You know, we, had, we were up against that when all of a sudden they got wind that they had given us the, the rights, then they got interested. And so thank goodness for lawyers. That's what I want to say. 
Wow, you you heard that phrase for the first time here on the DFT podcast. Thank goodness for lawyers. <laughs> I love it. So let, let's talk about lawyer ed. Uh, where where was it that you came across ed? How did you get in touch with ed? Was there some group or something that you went to? Tell me about that. It's literally called Lawyers for the Creative Arts, um, and it's a pro bono group. Um, and that, I mean, is that's pretty much it, right? They still exist. They still exist. I get emails from them still to this day. Yeah. It's just a bunch of lawyers who um, do pro bono work for arts organizations that can't afford it. It's great. They're awesome. One of the um, attorneys that are, that's in the show that I'm a part of the Chicago bar show, um, at least last I checked, which has been some time due to the pandemic, we haven't been able to, you know, rehearse and perform together, but he was working as, as an attorney um, there. And um, it's, it's really something, I mean, but back in the day, like, I don't know, did, uh, what was the search? You couldn't Google it. You, did you Yahoo it? How did you find out about lawyer for the cre- lawyers for the creative arts? I, you know, I think it originally came from um, a, a recommendation from other people. I think that just had, had used them before from other, you know, theater people that we knew or from theater companies. I'm pretty sure that's how it was just a referral. And you would just call them and say, hey, we are forming, because I think we used them the first time around when we formed our company, our theater company, which is Theater BAM Chicago. When we first started Theater BAM Chicago, we used them to do our you know, nonprofit organization uh, filing and somebody just recommended them and that's how we got in, in touch. Uh, and, and so I'm, I'm curious, other than um, Schoolhouse Rock Live, which you know, seems to be at the genesis of, of uh, Theater BAM Chicago. What, what other productions, what other shows came out of Theater BAM Chicago? Yeah, sure. So I'll take that one, George Keating. The, we did the um, Squalls Rock opened in 93, and that was our main focus for a long time. The show ran at, like George was saying, at the same time as running a late night performance or a regular, we actually had performances at like eight o'clock and then at 11 o'clock at night. So there was really like literally a late night production where people would drink beer and watch the show and scream and yell. But we would, in the mornings, we would take the show to schools. So we were doing this um, dual children's theater and late night fun uh, performance. That went on for about five years, literally five years of performing. George did the entire run the, the original cast did that entire run for about five years. Uh, we took it to New York City. It ran in New York City for a while, for about 11 months uh, off Broadway. But then we created, in the meantime, part two, which is called Schoolhouse Rock Live 2, T-O-O, which basically uses the most popular songs and then a bunch of the other ones that we ne- didn't do in the first show. Um, our theater company was a touring show production company. So we would tour to schools. And through that, we also did an original show called Parker in the Park, which was a, which is a show that is a nature musical. It's about natural sciences. And then we did, wrote another show uh, with Michael Mahler, who is a great writer. He wrote the music for an original show called the Main Street Kids Club, a math start musical. And it's a math musical based on the books by Stuart J. Murphy. Super fun. We did a couple other plays. We did a, some other um, original. We did an original play by a local Chicago playwright called Set, uh, Set Up. Um, and that was probably the most recent thing we produced, but I don't, gosh, that's been at least, I mean, has that been a decade or maybe not? It's quite. been a while, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
but most of it has been, oh, and the first production ever by Theater Bam Chicago, Scott Ferguson, you forgot to mention. I think this is so curious. Kyle Hall starring Manson. As... Manson, Fires in Your Cities. It was, it was a one a... man show about Charles Manson. That was <laughs> our first, that was our first and then, endeavor. And then another one of our endeavors after Schoolhouse was uh, a, a musical by Steve Wallum and Danny Musha called <sighs> Frozen River, which was about... Uh, uh, Lizzie Borden. Lizzie Borden. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what. So we kind of run the gamut in terms of type of shows. Yeah, setup was a uh, kind of a romantic comedy, um, uh, political first date kind of a thing. So we've run the gamut. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely did not know what to expect with that answer. With the, you know, with that question for those answers, but that's really something. So, 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 Schoolhouse Rock. Uh, was not the only adaptation that you did then. So there was the the math musical. Uh, mm -hmm. What, like, what did you learn anything from adapting, uh, you know, Schoolhouse Rock into a musical that you learned, you know, that you were able to apply those lessons? And and what were the, some of those lessons? Yeah, for sure. I mean, our love of Schoolhouse Rock. I, I think part of what made Schoolhouse Rock Live such a success, and George will attest to this, is that we we really tried to instill a sense of honesty to the show and really um, put the focus on the music and the lyrics. So we didn't make fun of Schoolhouse Rock, which a lot of people thought is what, what the show was going to be. It's like, we're making fun of those silly cartoons. We didn't make fun of it. We really took those lyrics and that music and we threw it up into the air and celebrated it. And we created a show that celebrated um, the beautiful nature of these, of these songs and how they are so a testament to the fact that they have, they're still popular today. And they, the first, I think the first song aired in, when did it air, George? Do you remember 1973? 73. 70, 73. So three is the magic been around number. for a long time, right? That's right. So, so, um, our love of those songs taught me a lot in terms of creating theater. So when we did the next show, we did the same thing. We didn't make fun of it. You know, we taught, we, we loved the music and the songs and the lyrics so much that I think that it shows in the, in the performances, in the performance, you know? So we learned a lot and that's where the, the, because they were touring to schools and they were, it was so popular. Schools loved us. We did every Tuesday and Thursday, all the entire school year, all around the city of Chicago and the suburbs and neighboring states. I, it was a really popular show for a very long time. And so we could keep doing other shows. And so the Mass Start musical, there's books by uh, Stuart Murphy, which are storybooks, short storybooks that teach one mathematical concept. Uh, so we took, I think, six of those books and then wrote original music and made a show that is a math musical <laughs> super cute it's very cute i love it and the music's great mike Mahler. oh my god so talented. yeah mike Mahler. you look look him up y'all he's local chicago talent um and yeah uh, he, and, he and alan schmuckler actually just wrote about uh, i think four of the seven songs from the new my little pony movie that you can watch on netflix so there he's famous real famous now <laughs> Because of My Little Pony. Well, well, my my nine month old little girl is too young for My Little Pony. 
uh, right now, but I'm sure that's sure. going to be in the repertoire in the future of, you know, daddy, can we watch this? <laughs> can we watch no that? doubt. No doubt. Uh, that, well, that's something. Um, uh, you, you know, it's, it's interesting to hear that because, um, you know, I feel like, like nowadays, uh, before Weird Al made it cool, like parody is all over the place, mm-hmm. right? Like you go, go on YouTube, you go on, you know, uh, I mean, TikTok is basically a parody of whatever is trending everyone's doing, right? So, yeah. um, you know, to, to have an adaptation that's, um, uh, that shows real earnestness I, is, is something that I, I, you know, I'm sure back then uh, stood out as unique, but especially now uh, when we're surrounded by parody. Um, that's really something they, you're making me look, look forward to this show so much more, uh, this coming this November, uh, at the Caruso middle school, <laughs> uh, links, links in the show notes about how, where to buy tickets. Um, so, um, yeah. So when, when's the last time that, uh, that you both were involved, like in, in a production with schoolhouse rock live? Well, I mean, we did, We've, you know, uh, there have been a bunch of local professional productions as well since all of that. So we did it. I mean, we've done it at Drury Lane Oakbrook. We did it at Marriott, uh, the Marriott Theater in Lincolnshire. We did it um, downtown at the, uh, I forget that Oakbrook's, that, that Drury Lane space downtown. Um, it's now a roadhouse. I don't think they produce there anymore. What's it called? Oh, the Broadway Playhouse. Broadway Playhouse. There. Um, so we've done it all over and Scott and I kind of trade off directing it now or we'll direct it together um um but it seems like it's always part of my i mean it just seems like it's always there and part of my life so i can't even remember when you asked that direct question i mean i haven't been in it in quite a long time but i have certainly directed it recently and certainly had conversations about it and just brought it up yesterday to a group of teenagers i said something about function like know what your function is in the play and blah blah blah. and i was like you know conjunction junction what's your name and not expecting them to know it they all immediately started singing the song and knew exactly you know this is 16 year olds um and knew exactly what i was talking about um, i love that it, i love that right and it's just such a part of it's just been such a part of we have a real family we did a reunion not too long ago and flew in the original cast from all over and um, got everybody together from the tours. Cause we also did a number of, of, of national tours with it. And we, I'm always meeting people who, who say, Oh my gosh, we, you know, they're married now. And we met doing this production. We'd met doing this production in, you know, Kentucky or wherever the heck. And, and um, so it's just this really, I think the earnestness that you were talking about Matthew and Scott, really kind of leads to this kind of um, genuine bonding and family. You know, I was always very proud of, of the earnestness that we weren't being snarky. There was actually yeah. a production at the time um, in Chicago that didn't get the rights that were doing a couple of Schoolhouse Rock live songs or a couple of Schoolhouse Rock songs um, at the time that we were running in the early 90s. And they... Um, they didn't get the rights and they right and they were they were very snarky they were making fun of it and they got shut down 
We were also running when it was originally running in Chicago when it first opened, we were running alongside, not alongside, but at the same time as a very popular production of the Brady Bunch, which was a parody of the Brady Bunch. So I think a lot of people were expecting that our show was gonna be a parody and it wasn't. And that's what people loved about it. I think that's what made it funny. When you're singing all wholeheartedly about nouns, and you're not making fun of it, it's funny. Like that is funny. So it, it wasn't a parody, but it was hilarious. The show was just so much a joy to watch. One of my favorite reviews of all time that we got of the show when it was running, um, I, I, I don't remember who the reviewer was, but they said, you know, the great thing about Schoolhouse Rock Live is you can bring your granddaughter and your grandmother and the three of you will be arguing about who liked it most. I was like, that's exactly right. Everybody loved it. Yeah, everybody loved it. We literally were doing it in the mornings, like Scott said, and then to these audiences that would come and bring six packs and get drunk at 11 o'clock at night while they were watching our show. And it was, the, it was a different Giants. experience, but we didn't change... We didn't change the show. We did it. No. We did the show and it just it played. The same show um, for both children and for adults and everyone. And, and I feel like like nowadays, if you could make like a TV show that the adults and the, the kids could, could enjoy, that's like, you know, that's the perfect Goldilocks zone. Yep. And so you guys did it, you know, Schoolhouse Rock Live for, for you know, theater uh, a long time ago, which is, which is incredible. And, and just that there are people who met while performing in the show and got married. If they have kids, right? Like what you guys did is responsible for human beings being alive right now that wouldn't be alive right now. So, so in a true. way, you kind of are responsible for them being alive, which is really something. I love it. That's a good, I like that perspective. It brings a whole new meaning to my life. Thank you. <laughs> That's what That's we awesome. do here on the, on the DFT podcast. Um, we find the, the, the deep meaning. Uh, but yeah, it, it is though. I'm, you know, and, and I, I'm not really joking. Right. Like earnestly, like that's, that, that's the truth. Right. And it's funny. <laughs> it's true. We have, uh, there's a couple, I mean, there are, there are many couples that we can point to that weren't directly related um, to our production. So productions that were done like yours at, at DFT that aren't, that we aren't creative involved with, but, but we've got um, the, the Meads, um, Tim and Tim Amber Gainey Mead, they they were on one of our tours. They met on one of our tours and they are married to this day. Um, they came in for our reunion. I mean, that's just, it always just warms my heart, you know? Yeah. Um, well, gosh. Um, oh, oh, yeah. Th there, was, there is a story somewhere in here about how uh, the, the rights owners changed hands at some point, like from ABC to Disney when Disney was coming in. So what was that experience like? I, Scott, I told Matthew a little bit on the phone about when um, we as this, you know, startup company who started performing literally in a basement theater where we literally got dressed in the cooler next to the lettuce. I'm not kidding you. Um, and then we would, we, we grew and became really popular. We had, uh, we had return audience members. We actually had for a while, a thing called a groupie card, groupie where, cards. Cause, right. Cause people kept coming back. They would come back over and over and bring their friends and they would bring people from out of town. And so we moved into a bigger theater, a nicer theater. And we kept moving and making me, we made two, two moves. Um, and when that started happening, 
not our, um, not Bob and uh, uh, George and Tom, but the the owners um, started seeing that it would be profitable, and we started getting um, they they started getting very interested in our little project. And there was a moment there where they were trying to wrest the show away from us, if I remember rightly, because we did a whole study. Um, I did a, I said, let's pull our audience because we were getting nervous. I said, let's pull our audience and find out where they live, right? Because it's not just Chicago that's coming to see this. And we found out that at one point, as much as 50% of our audience was people visiting in from out of town. And so they were going back to their hometowns, Cleveland or whatever, and talking about this show they saw in Chicago. And it was creating this interest during the run of our show, Schoolhouse Rock cartoons actually started airing again. I mean, I don't yeah. think, I'm not making that up, am I? No, no. It was not on the air until three, three years after, two years after we run. And, and same thing, one of my favorite stories is there's a, you can get a Schoolhouse Rock t-shirt like at Target and stuff. That's like the, a logo that has the Squirrels Rock logo and all the characters on it. That design was designed basically by my friend Jay Rapp for our show. <laughs> and then ABC, Disney stole that design because they can, because they own the characters and put it on a t-shirt. Right. So we don't own the characters. We don't own the yeah. music. We own our arrangements of the music we and, and the show, right? So it's a, we're still the little guy, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. But they still so make we, a lot of money from us, I'll tell they you They make much. a lot of money from us. And it's because, you know, I think that it did create, we were able to prove to them that we had created this or were part of the energy that created this resurgence and reinterest because people, remember we were 25 and, and 30 throughout this. And so- our people our from our generation were starting to have children and they wanted their children to have access to schoolhouse rock cartoons just like they had we had growing up and so it did create this and then they did a they released the box set and they started there's a whole resurgence of of uh merchandise for them that we do not benefit from <laughs> Well, I mean, I don't, don't get me wrong. Like I, 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 I love Disney. And if, because I have a kid, if I had to pick any one subscription platform, it'd probably be Disney plus, <laughs> but uh, at the same time, uh, yeah, big business, right. They own so much more now than they did even back then. Right. So that's right. And it wasn't, it wasn't, it was intimidating. I do remember us sweating. I remember Nina, sweat, our producer sweating a bit, thinking that we could, we could lose, we could lose this property. They were going to snag it from us, but but our friends, George and Tom and Bob, came around and, 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 and defended us, I think. All is good. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so with that, I was thinking maybe you could sing us off uh, the podcast with, with your favorite song. <laughs> oh, mine's always been Three is a Magic Number. It's always that and My Hero Zero. Those are, I those... say, I, Zero My Hero is one of my favorites. I love that song. All right, so, so we'll do about 30, uh, uh, 20 to 30 seconds from George, and then Scott uh, will take us out with zero. <laughs> Don't ask me to sing. I'm not the singer. George is the singer. Go, George. Three is a magic number. Yes, it is. It's a magic number. Somewhere in the ancient mystic 
Trinity. You get three as a magic number. And then the drums come in. The past and the present and the future. Faith and hope and charity. Right? The heart and the brain and the body give you three as a magic number. I love that song. It's the best. It's the first one they wrote and it's the best as far as I'm concerned. That's great. That was great. Well, we definitely can't top that, I don't think. So, uh, uh, George Scott, thank you so much for coming on. Um, it was great to have you. Uh, gosh, um, you know, I, I hope to see you at the at the theater and um, and and for this show and for future shows uh, for for everyone to come back to the theater and uh, and have a great time. Um, so, uh, with that, just um, tell if uh, if listeners want to reach out to you, follow up with you, uh, you know, what's the best way that they could get in touch with you? I've got um, bios and contact information at Northwestern University and at DePaul, the feeder school at DePaul University. So you can find me there or just my name, George P. Keating at gmail.com. And I can be reached at scottfergusonhomes.com. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. So much fun. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Matthew. thanks, Matthew. And that's our show. Visit DeerfieldFamilyTheater.com for more details and to purchase tickets. Links to both are in the show notes, where you can also find George and Scott's contact information, along with a link to Lawyers for the Creative Arts. Please share this podcast to help support the work of Deerfield Family Theater. If you enjoyed the episode, please give us the highest rating you can and leave us a review, both of which really help others discover this show. If you'd like to get in touch, send us a voice message at anchor.fm DFT. We might even add your voice message to a future show. Until next time, thanks to everyone who continues to support the arts. We'll see you at the theater.